Hope FM, proud broadcast partners of the Water Lily Project, passionately supporting and empowering vulnerable women, helping them back into independent living. To find out more, visit waterlilyproject.org.uk. You're listening to Community Now on Hope FM with Keith Jones Bookshop, serving the community for over 50 years. Visit keithjones.co.uk. Well, just a moment or two ago there, you heard that the Water Lily Project are one of the partners of Hope FM and it's a partnership that we very much value. Uh, Andy Gilbert has just literally been two months into a new job as the Chief Executive Officer of, uh, of the Water Lily Project. Uh, what does it feel like, Andy? Are you, are you finding your feet? Oh, good morning, Blair. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's been a journey, I can tell you. Um, I'm definitely finding my feet. There's been a lot um, that I've needed to do to understand how the Water Lily Project works, how it's been structured in the beginning, uh, its history, who it's reaching, how it's reaching them, and all of those sorts of things. It's It's been a very busy and exciting time. And it's also been a time where I've been getting out and starting to build links with other charities in the area, um, meeting the churches across Christchurch because we're based in Christchurch. And I think it's really important as a Christian charity that, that we we know our place within the church. We are... We are the, effectively the hands of the church, reaching in this this particular instance, reaching women who are, are vulnerable, going very through through very difficult times, sometimes in domestic violence and abuse situations, mental health issues. Uh, I don't know housing issues, grief, all yeah. of those sorts of yeah. things, and and that's that's yeah. kind of been my first two months has been trying to understand. Where, where we are, what we do, and how we're positioned within the local community. Now, obviously, yeah, we, we'll talk a wee bit about in the programme, you know, about your life experience, and you've got a lot of life experience. So you came immediately from the Priory Church, where, of course, you were managing quite a lot of the development work there, weren't you? But, of course, before all of that, there was a whole lot of other stuff. So you were involved with dementia work right across the United Kingdom. Uh, and what else What else have you done? Oh, my, my background is, is probably one of the most mixed bags ever. Uh, I started life as a banker, um, did very well uh, in, in Barclays Bank, uh, was involved helping HR develop strategy at some of the top levels, sort of um, working with sort of some of the top teams in London, looking at developing bank car scheme strategy and various things like that. Left there, complete change of direction, set up my own business, um, ended up doing um, some corporate team building work with Google, VW, um, those sorts of companies, larger companies. Also helped a friend set up a letting agent because you, that's just the sort of thing you do when, you, when you've got time on your hands. Um, and then, then I went all the time. I had a real passion about the church thinking strategically. And, and what my initial dream was when I left Barclays was to get into the church and help them to think strategically. That never happened, and I don't understand why. Um, however, I... I had an opportunity to um, take up a position within a large Anglican church in Portsmouth as uh, their um, operations director. Uh, so I thought, why not? I, I've, I've done I'm everything happy. else. I've why done not? everything else. Why not go in and do that? So I went uh, to St. Jude's in South Sea, spent 
many years or three or four years there we developed um, a, a five-year strategy with them I mean also I took up the, the, the I mean the role of ops director within the church is just such a full and complete Basically, anything the vicar doesn't want to do, it feels like sometimes. <laughs> like that's, <laughs> that, that's a bit unfair. That really is unfair. But um, it's a massive thing. And, and nowadays, it's, it's very specialist because um, you can't run a building without understanding the, the legalities around sort of health and safety, around um, building compliance. Uh, you know, there's five-year electrical condition reports. You need to keep fire alarms serviced. You need, and, that, and there's sort of, to put that on... And not a regulation. Uh, yeah, to put that on the church yeah. leader uh, who hasn't got that background or any of that knowledge uh, is is very, very difficult. And, and okay, there's skills that can be learned, but it's it's better to sort of start to build that knowledge and then sort of use that that knowledge as a as a professional i think that there's a big side of church now that has to be done professionally whereas in the past it hasn't had to be now with all of that pedigree of management and experience what was it that attracted you to apply to the uh, water lily project which is a relatively small but effective charity what was it that that got you excited and said, you know what, with all my experience, I fancy that job. <laughs> I, I think there's, because there's, there's two stages after St. Jude's. I mean, I, I worked for Prama for, I, I can't remember how, how long, but I was involved in, um, as you mentioned earlier, a, a nationwide um, dementia-friendly church project, which initially when it came to Prama was was a local, the idea was, was local. Um, and I, I, I thought... It's very good that we're helping churches locally, but this is a massive issue nationally. And um, I, I, so I took hold of that, that project and took, took it nationally and ended up working with Lambeth Palace, uh, Church House, trying to influence the Anglican Church at the top levels. And it was, it was a real sort of eye-opener on, on sort of, OK, it was, it was a mini project within a larger charity, but it was a, a real sort of eye-opener to to what it's like to be able to make the decisions and drive a charitable thing in a particular direction. And and obviously something that I'm passionate about, and I am passionate about, um, about older people who are living with dementia, and, and especially the church. I mean, I know that your, your previous show was literally just about this. Uh, and, and it's so important that the, the church just by some tiny little changes that, that they can make in the way they operate can make such a massive difference to those who are living with dementia. And, and it, was, it was that that I was really passionate about. Then I left there and became Chief of Operations at Christchurch Priory, which um, uh, I delivered a, the new cafe there and there's new toilets. And it was a sort of a, a, massive, a massive project, costs huge amounts of money, um, a complete headache for so, but but during this time, I mean, I've had a couple of friends, uh, female friends, who have gone through some horrendous divorces and and some with mental health issues as well. And I know that they need support. And when I saw the role for chief exec of Water Lily Project, I thought, you know what, 
this is something that I really want to do. I want to be able to to make a difference. You know, in the in the Bible, Psalm nine nine says something like, um, "The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed and a stronghold for those in times of trouble." And a lot of the women the Water Lily Project deals with haven't got that faith. They don't know that that refuge for oppression, and they don't know God as a stronghold. But the Water Lily Project as a Christian organisation, are the hands of God providing that refuge and safe place in their times of oppression. And certainly some of the stories that I've come across just in the two months I've been there, you know, these these, these women are in a place of extreme oppression and, and, and the project is helping bring them out of that. And we'll talk about that, I'm sure, later. We certainly will. But before we do, let, let's Turn the clock on your faith because behind all of everything that you do, Andy, is a very firm faith. And of course, like all of us, that faith is still being shaped. But when did it begin for you? Were you brought up in a, in a Christian family? No. And, and to, to my dad's horror, I, be, I became a Christian when you I was about... religious. I became religious. One of those ones. Well, he's, he's uh, an atheist. Uh, or is he a prob- real atheist? Probably or? more agnostic. Yeah. Along, uh, along the lines of Dawkins, he, he reads Dawkins, uh, The God Delusion. He he recognises that. And yeah. even Daw- I mean, even Dawkins will say he's an agnostic because you can never fully say that there's no God. Um, and... So he, it was, it was horrendous. But I was going out with a, a, a beautiful girl who I, I have since married. She was brought up in the church. Um, we'd bought a house. We weren't living together. We'd bought a, bought a house in preparation for for getting married, um, and we were just round there one Sunday, just sort of you know as you do, you decorate and do all those sorts of things. Um, and my wife was feeling really uncertain. Probably because it's the fear of having to marry me. Uh, <laughs> feeling really uncertain. And she hadn't been going to church for a long time. And she said, I really feel that I need to go to church. And I mean, I, I've never been anti-church. And in fact, as I was growing up, we lived in the Midlands for a, for a short period of time in a village. And I was in a church choir. I rang the church bells because what happened on a Sunday was mums and children went to church and the dads went to the pub. And so I wasn't against church. And my family have never been against church mm. so anyway i went went to the local church anglican church um it was um bearwood church at the time over in in bearwood now st barnabas um and i went in and it was an evening service and i was expecting there to be two or three people at the time there were about a hundred people there in an evening service and their style of worship was more contemporary uh, and i just was looking around and I saw people were meaning what they were singing. You know, they their hands raised saying, Lord, I love you. And I kind of thought, oh, my goodness, people actually believe this stuff. That that was my... my bit, bit of a shock. Yeah, a bit of a shock. <laughs> but they were genuine. And, and in the preaching, there was preaching about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and, and how, you know... God lives in us today and is alive through the Holy Spirit, and and that you know it's 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 more than just just this way off God that judges us. It's it's a God who wants to know us, and I kind of thought this is really different, and I need to need to find out more. And it and the vicar at the time was 
brilliant in that he welcomed us in. He got us on a, I can't remember what the course was, it might have been something like Saints Alive or something. Anyway, anyway he he made sure he he brought us in, he got us on a he got us on a course he discipled us really well and slowly and i couldn't say the date i went from unbelief to belief and haven't looked back since well a great uh, words there from uh, delirious uh, do you feel the mountains tremble well you heard andy saying there that uh, the start of his faith journey uh, actually began with a very influential young lady uh, who he went on to marry. Elaine, if you're listening, uh, I think you've done a pretty good job on, on, on Andy. Was she actually uh, uh, you know, a, a Christian at the, t- at the point that you met her? Would she say she was? She, would have, she def- definitely would have said that she was a, a Christian at the point that um, I met her. Um, although she wasn't going to church, which was was my my doing really, and um, I, I kind of feel guilty about that now. But at the time, obviously, you don't. What's to uh, feel guilty about? <laughs> <laughs> well, so it's ta- taking her out of out of church. She could have quite easily um, of of. I, the, I, she often said about teaching that they ha- used to get at um, at Sunday school and things, where they put someone on a chair and someone without faith was on the floor, and it was far easier to pull someone down than pull someone up. I'm proof that it's not always the case, and and I I, I kind of I kind of think that we have to remember that the work of someone coming to faith isn't about us. It's actually about God mm. and God's Holy Spirit mm. at working in a life. Although I, w- I think it would have been much safer for her if she'd found a Christian, but... <laughs> <laughs> God had obviously different plans, didn't he? And, and uh, you have to bow to his authority, Andy. You know? but, but, I mean, obviously, it's true, isn't it? Because the Bible says that, that in everybody there's a God-shaped void, you know. that that And, of course, I guess that the love of God reflected by Jesus' death on the cross. It takes a while for people to understand that, doesn't it? And no doubt you've probably met many people and still are meeting many people, you know, in your life. So what, how, how did the, the journey uh, for you and and then progress. So uh, we'll play a track in a minute, which which is kind of part of the part of the challenge. But obviously, like I said, the the, the vicar who um, was just brilliant with us, and I, I think church leaders mustn't underestimate how important it is when someone first comes to faith. How important it is to disciple those people and disciple them well, and not just put them on an alpha course and leave them or but but because um our vicar andy edwards who happened to be the father of jonathan edwards the world record triple jumper um he he was brilliant he would pop round and say hi and i know that church leaders are really busy but i'm sure he was really busy as well back then yet he made time to just pop round and say hi check we were okay he I think he even invited us one Christmas to like a pre-Christmas dinner, which was, you know, just just amazing because he was he was not just sort of picking someone up to come to faith. He wasn't seeing you as pew fodder. He wasn't seeing me as pew fodder. He was he was trying genuinely to disciple us as a couple and bring us into faith. When you talk about you use the word a couple of times there, discipleship. What does that mean? It's about 
when you first come to faith, there's this you have this sort of revelation that there's a there's a God in heaven. And he actually thinks a lot about you on earth and actually wants to get to know you as a friend. And you make that decision, yes, Lord, I want to know you. And that's that's your your step of faith. You repent of your sins. You turn to, to Christ. God fills you with his Holy Spirit. And that's it. But it's not it, is it? Well, there's this little and, thing called life, and isn't there's it? that thing called life, and it's about teaching you the things that Jesus taught, and about sort of the importance of you know who God is. You know, he's he's he may be our friend, but he's also God. You know, he's 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 bigger, he's greater. He creator. only just made the whole universe. Absolutely, mm-hmm. and if you read through the Old Testament, he could just like that, wipe us out if he wanted to. And there were times through the Old Testament where he wanted to wipe out mankind. You know, Almost did, didn't and he? Almost did. When we see the rainbow, we remember that, don't we? Absolutely. So, so we're not... Our relationship isn't just with this cuddly, loving, fluffy cloud. We're with a, a, a person who is right and just and true, but also loving and kind. And... And that's what I kind of liked about that that track. You know, it's when the people come, come together, they dance upon injustice. And I think that that's a massive... God hates injustice. And and I, I, I think tying that also back to, to coming to the Water Lily Project, it is part of the injustice of the the way people are being treated the young women that we or yeah well not just young young and older women that we look after it's just the injustice that really gets to me and i'm sure if it gets to me it's getting to god as well and and to be the hands of of god to help in those situations is so important I love that scripture where it talks about I will restore the years that the locust has eaten. And and you're quite right, of course. So many people have, through all sorts of different circumstances, but they're almost destroyed, you know. And, of course, God must look at that and and think, you know... I'm going to sort this out, you know, and, and, and does it through, of course, people like good people like yourself, Andy, those working in the Water Lily Project, those in churches up mm. and down the country, those in the workplace. Mm. God's got his people everywhere, everywhere, you know. So I totally agree with you. But um, yeah. but Spandau, Spandau Ballet. Oh, yes. Uh, what, <laughs> why is this? <laughs> this, this is kind of, so the next track is that I've chosen is Spandau Ballet True. And there's a reason for this. And it's it's because... Um, Whilst I was with Elaine, she said, I won't marry... She, she was a massive Spando Ballet fan. Oh, she still is a massive Spando Ballet fan. Uh, and she said, um, I won't marry you unless you can, you can get hold of the 12-inch of True. Um, at the time, as I discovered, True was out on 12-inch, was out of print. You couldn't, you couldn't go out of press or these whatever. Are the, these what, are the vinyl days, weren't These they? were the vinyl days. That's kind of dating me a little bit. You couldn't just go to Spotify and... Yeah, there's a vinyl of vinyl. Of vinyl, yeah. So she, she said, uh, said, I can't get it anywhere. I've wanted it. I won't marry you. I mean, it's a glib comment. I won't marry you um, unless unless you... Tongue-in-cheek you, comment. Yeah, exactly. 
But I, t- I took that challenge on because, and this probably shows something of me, if I'm very, if I get the bit between my teeth and someone says something's impossible, I'll show them it's not if I believe it's possible. Um, I spent a day ringing every record shop and these were the days without mobile phones, these were the days without the internet and this was the days where I had yellow pages on my desk <laughs> and I rang every record shop in Bournemouth Pool, Christchurch, Boscombe, until I found a copy of Spando Ballet's 12-inch True. I got in my car at the end of the day, raced to Boscombe, which was uh, the only record shop in the whole of... And I can tell you, it was definitely the only record shop in Bournemouth, Christchurch and Poole that had a copy, picked up the copy and presented it to her that the very next evening. Oh, she must have been impressed. Well, I'm not sure whether she was impressed, but <laughs> it gave me something to do, didn't it? Well, it was driven by love, wasn't it? Yeah, it you was. You must have been... Obviously, you had an attraction for this young lady, who is now, of course, your wife. Yeah, absolutely. Elaine, if, if, if you are listening, this is particularly for you. Absolutely. Listening to Community Now on Hope FM with Keith Jones Bookshop, serving the community for over 50 years. Visit keithjones.co.uk. Now, my very special guest is uh, the fairly new chief executive of the Water Lily Project, Andy Gilbert. We've been talking about his life and his faith. Uh, Andy, you and, and Elaine were blessed with, with two children, uh, uh, Lucy and Mark. Um, Matt, Matt, yeah, thank you for writing me. Tell us about tell us about Matt. Yeah, this, I mean, it's it's um, unfortunately uh, Matt was born with asthma, um, which he had quite chronic asthma throughout his life, throughout growing up. Um, he'd been in hospital a number of times, but he he st- he made the mo- most of his life and. Uh, <laughs> He obviously went through school. He ended up working for an IT company, giving IT support uh, to the NHS, based in a a company out in Ringwood. Um, And a couple of days before his 22nd birthday, he was out with a couple of um, friends from work. Um, Unfortunately, he had an asthma attack and collapsed and died on the street in Wimborne. first we knew was a knock at the door with the police uh we rushed down to the hospital uh where they were still giving him cpr we were there for the last round of cpr but unfortunately he passed away um really shattered uh, we're only talking about five years ago really shattered our lives um fortunately Lucy was in that evening as well, so she came down with us. And I say fortunately because I think we were or are a very close family, and if she hadn't been there, she would have found that really hard. Um, (laughs) I sound like I'm breaking up. I I tried. It it is a really tough thing. I'm still not over it fully, but uh, it's just 
sometimes you, you, these things happen and you can't control them. Well, of course, the Psalm 23, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and, mm. and of course the pain of separation mm. and so on. Of course, we know that, that Matt and, and as, uh, Lucy, of course, mm. were, were they close? Yeah, both Matt and Lucy are, were really close and ha- have always been really cl- close. And um, in fact, they both came to faith the same day, which both Elaine and I were so privileged to be um, at the service where they gave their lives. And it was um, at Gateway Church on Older Road. They had Lou Fellingham come down with um, an evangelist. And um, and it, it was it was brilliant. Lou Fellingham, awesome singer, brilliant um, time of worship. Uh, the guy speaking with her, very simple gospel message. I think Matt and Lucy, I can't. I honestly can't remember how old they were. They weren't very big. Uh, they weren't little, little, but they were probably early teens. teens. Mm. Um, and um, they got everyone to close their eyes and and then, you know, respond if you, if you, if you want to give your life to Jesus. Uh, just raise your hand and... And I had my eyes closed, and we sat in the row. And I felt people coming down the row, and I thought, oh, that's nice. There's obviously someone giving their life in our row. And I opened my eyes slightly, and both Matt and Lucy had their hands up. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 I mean, Gateway were brilliant. They gave them a Bible and various, various bits to help support them uh, as they have made their decision. And, and that was just sort of like a, a really special moment that uh, they both gave their lives on the same day. And <laughs> Now, obviously, we're talking about you working uh, in Water Lily Project, and, mm. and we've already talked about many of the people that you work with have gone through some very, very difficult times. Do you think that having walked through, uh, you know, I mean, there can be nothing more challenging than the loss of, of one of your children, you know, mm. um, to outlive them is a very difficult thing. How did the three of you cope? Initially, I've just got to give thanks to God for the support of the church. You know, we had, on the night Matt died, um, I, we we live over in Wimborne Way, and um, one of the people I I rang from the hospital was the vicar from St Jude's South Sea, um, saying, "Look, I'm just asking him to pray because of Matt was in in hospital, um, and it looked like he he was going to pass away." And um, when we got home, for, well, the first the first thing that i want to give thanks to god for was <laughs> was the chaplain there was a roman catholic chaplain came in after matt had passed away and we prayed over matt's body and you know just committed him to to jesus and that that was kind of and and the chaplain was brilliant he walked us back to our car gave us support and love and then then we drove back home um and when we got home there was a knock on the door after about 15 minutes and um, Mike and the curate from Southsea had driven down and they came <laughs> and kept to give us support, which was just phenomenal. Um, just, just, obviously we were broken, and, but just to know that there were people there. And it's interesting because I know you're still feeling the yeah. pain of, of Matt's loss. But I suppose that, that for the three of you, there's the memory of Matt. He, oh, he loved yeah. his music, didn't he? He did. He, he loved his music. Um, 
I, I think before we kind of move on, the, the, the thing that was really important is that he... I prayed that um, the day after Matt had died, and this, I think this is a really encouragement and, and just shows how loving God is. I'd got up and I prayed just quietly to myself as I was going into the shower, Lord, show me where Matt is, because obviously... It's an important question. And, 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 um, and I had my shower and I came out and just as I came out of the shower, Elaine um, said, listen to this, listen to this. And she'd been given some books. She does cleaning. And, and she'd been given some books by one of the ladies she's cleaned for in the week previous to Matt dying. And she said, listen to this. And, and, and you've got to bear in mind, I've just prayed, Lord, show me where Matt is. <laughs> and she reads this to me. The Father says, I'll take you by the hand, be with you through the pain. Pour comfort in, release the grief, till joy returns again. You need to grieve and weep a while, the pain so hard to bear. Your loved one is at peace with me. The angels guard him there. And if the tunnel's dark and long, just put your hands in mine. I'll comfort you. Trust my love. Once more the sun will shine. They are quite safe in Jesus' arms. One thing is clear and plain. <laughs> Sorry, I'm breaking up a bit. I'll do, try that again. They are quite safe in Jesus' arms. One thing is clear and plain. The Lord's prepared a place for you. One day, you'll meet again. Mm. And, and that's the great hope that we have, isn't it? And, and actually, it, it's, it's lovely that, that you're grieving yeah. even now you know, on, on the, on the programme because many of us, of course, have, have had to go through similar difficulties. And... Yeah. Uh, I'll play a piece of music yeah. because, uh, because no, it's, I, I can I can handle it now. I'm I'm back. I'm back in the room. Is back. Uh, I'm back in the room. But it it is absolutely so important that that's the key to gospel. I think I was think I was telling you in the break earlier that our view of life is often so short, but actually we've got to remember look eternally as Christians because that's the hope of the gospel that that this short time of pain that we go through if we go through pain, and hopefully people don't. I mean, we, we all lose people, we all, all grieve at different times in our life. But the hope of the gospel is that this life is not, this is just part of our journey. And our journey is is an onward one. And and as that poem said, one day I'll see Matt again. And and that was, you know, I just, Elaine didn't know I'd prayed. Mm. Yet I come out the shower and and I hear those words. <laughs> you know, that's just but phenomenal. It's like God saying to you, it's shouting at you, uh, uh, you know what, Andy, it's okay. He's safe in my arms, and you're going to see him again. Yeah, uh, I mean, obviously I don't understand why Matt had to, had to pass away. Obviously, in the hospital, we were praying that, that God would heal him. Obviously, we'd got a whole, whole group of people praying uh, whilst he was being given CPR, um, we on the last round of CPR, we were praying whilst they were giving CPR. You know, I've prayed for the dead for the dead to rise with a dead body. 
God did an answer, and I will never know why that is. And I will never ask that. But the promise of the Bible is one day we will all rise again. So actually, he has answered the prayer. We might just have to wait a little bit longer. You know, Andy, uh, a good friend of mine uh, passed away, and uh, and I wrestled. I went through the Bible and said, you know what? We all say why, don't we? Why, why? And uh, I felt the Lord saying to me, Blair, don't you know that for the Christian death is perfect healing yeah and of course it's not the sort of prayer that we pray but actually it's absolutely true you know mm. uh, we, we rise in eternal life to, to a new life in him pain absolutely sure but ensure and certain hope of the resurrection to eternal yeah. life of course you've got loads of memories and, and of course his love of the music um, yeah. and, and he, he loved uh, this next track that we're going to play yeah I mean when we, I, I'll get disposition it slightly when we went through because for his, his um, we had two services a celebration and, and of his life at Gateway Church and then um, a, a smaller crematorium service and um, when we I looked at his Spotify list he had on there um three versions of You've Got the Love um, and one of his favourite ones I know was Frankie Knuckles and we we used that as as he was going out because sometimes you, sometimes you just got to throw your hands up in the air and say Lord I just don't care you know yeah. that was, <laughs> and, and it just felt so right as at the end of the, the, the service of life of his celebration just to to say look Lord's this is this is you and I know the song isn't it was probably wasn't written as a Christian song but actually sometimes we just throw our hands in the air and worship because God is God and we just need to realize that God is God well in real celebration of Matt's life this is uh, Frankie Knuckles and your love Frankie Knuckles there, and uh, and uh, your love. You've got the love, of course, is the uh, is the, the refrain there, and uh, and and you said about sometimes, you know, when you got your hands up in the air and whatever. Uh, uh, so did he have a, a a broad taste in music then? Matt had a, a massive broad taste, as have I. Um, having, <laughs> I mean, he his his music tastes were 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 from some of the music I, I really couldn't stand myself. It's kind of a, maybe it's a reflection of my age. But it's really good. And um, he obviously would listen to some Christian worship music. He would listen to dance music. He loved the gorillas. Um, just all, all sorts of 
all sorts of music. And, and I think the thing with music is it it connects on various different levels. Sometimes it's lyrically and sometimes it's it's musically, isn't it? And um, sometimes music's uplifting, sometimes it takes you down. And, and, and actually, I'm not sure, it was probably my mistake. Frankie Knuckles probably wasn't the version that we play, played going out of, of Matt's funeral. I'm trying to think of the, there's another one. Matt probably would have chosen Frankie Knuckles, so that's good that the Frankie Knuckles one was played. But um, maybe he's just overruled us both. Today, I think you know I think he saying? overruled us absolutely. I think he did. Uh, yeah, that one was for you, Matt. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah, so that is I when I was thinking about the, the the playlist, I was thinking I've I want to do something that 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 Matt would have would have really liked, and I could have chosen a song by the Gorillas, and so some of those are sort of just slightly odd. Um, also, but also, we've got a Rend Collective one coming up later, which would Lucy would have potentially chosen because, and we went and saw the Rend Collective, and they were just awesome. So uh, you know, <laughs> it's coming, folks. It's, it's coming. coming. Uh, you know, Andy, all of this pain that uh, that you have experienced and and are still experiencing to some degree, how has that prepared you for the job that you're now doing in, at the Water Lily Project? I think that the Water Lily Project is dealing with okay, it's women, not men, but it's it's dealing with women at their time of crisis, and so it's it's a crisis to them. It may not appear to be a crisis to others because some of the women we deal with have long going ongoing mental health issues. But some of them are in domestic abuse and violence situations where we will pick them up at that point and give them the support they need to make the decisions they need to make and then help to support them through those those decisions to safety. And, and one of the things that breaks my heart at the moment is we've got a waiting list and... Um, our waiting list isn't like anybody else's waiting list. It doesn't matter how... It's not done on time. It's done on risk and need. So at, at first referral, we carry out a risk assessment on each of the women contacting us, um, looking at how, you know, how, how safe is their life in some cases. Um, and we're tied into obviously the police processes and safeguarding processes to protect those lives for for those women who are in domestic abuse situations, um, and we have a very clear clear process. So, so going back to your question, I know what a crisis is, and I know how important it is to have someone to support you. And in in my case. I had the support, loving support of the church and the church family. I mean, we didn't have to cook after Matt died. We didn't have to shop or cook for about three, four weeks. I think it was, a, no, it might have even been over a month. We didn't have to shop or cook for over a month because, and our house looked like a florist's. Um, hmm. But some of these women that the Water Lily projects have come in haven't got, haven't got that. I mean, we we get refer we do get referrals from churches where women are going through hard times, maybe grief or or um, housing problems, or you know, we deal with a broad spectrum of of issues. Um, but 
we're the referrals that we get those women may not have the support structures around them to help them and water lily is there as the safe haven where they can come and get that support that they need and that help that they need from trained support workers who understand what they're going through um some of them with some of our support workers with similar life stories. And of course, they are pretty much all women, aren't they? Your support, your support team and, your, and many of your volunteers likewise. Yes. I, uh, pretty much all of our, I mean, all of our staff apart from me are, are women. And obviously, you wouldn't want to, to put someone in a domestic abuse situation down with, with a man. Certainly, I'd, I would not get, even if I was fully trained, I would not want to sit in that situation because... That is not the situation that will help that individual. But your role, of course, is somewhat different because to keep the wheels of water lily turning, and of course, it's not just what you're doing now. You've already said that there's a there's a, a tsunami of need out mm. there uh, to get the money to keep those wheels turning, to get the the volunteers and staff, uh, and and the train staff. Of course, that comes mm. into your domain. Uh, you know, big time. But I guess that the conviction you have is you've already said that God is a God who hates injustice. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's a bit a bit scary on one level because you've got some big sums of money to bring in. But at the same time, uh, you've got a God who is is guiding and leading. And uh, I mean, I know my wife has been very involved with uh, with Water Lily, but uh, she would be the first to say, I mean, I, I get a bit jealous, you know, because uh, throughout the, the, the pandemic, uh, Jan has had such success in, you know, as she's applied for funding and whatever. And Hope FM, actually, I, we've also had success. But I think that Water Lily have had more success in terms of the money but i understand why i, I don't think it's a it's a battle uh, i don't think it's a competition on funding i i think that it's that the, the thing is it is so key i mean that's one of my challenges is we have this amazing service we don't expect our our women to our beneficiaries to give the the service we provide is is one hour of of support work a month for 12 months absolutely free it actually probably goes well beyond an hour of support work by the time you get into um our support workers could be writing letters or making phone calls or um to to help support each of the beneficiaries and and the thing that's great about the water lily project which i think is kind of unique is that we don't just look at the beneficiary for their crisis and support them we look at we, we try and put them through a life journey with us, which is picking them up at the beginning with the the crisis and the urgent needs. Then we have sort of, we move them on to a, a self-development and help phase where where they might go on to a course, pattern changing course maybe, that will help them change behaviours and patterns in their lives and help them recognise patterns that are that may be negative or not helping them. Or we'll put them through an art therapy course if they have mental health issues. Um, Or we'll help them with wellness or sleep coaching or or various things like that. So we'll meet the initial needs. We'll have a second phase, which is about helping helping them help themselves to, to strengthen their lives so that they can move on. And then we have a final phase where we have a cafe... Um, at the, uh, if you go into Christchurch on Barrack Road, there's the Water Lily Cafe. The cafe there is a community-run cafe. Some of our beneficiaries may be, 
may end up volunteering there, although they're not all all beneficiaries in the uh, volunteering. Um, but we what we try and then do is help our women move on. So we have craft groups and we have maybe gardening groups and we might have um i'm trying to think other we'd, we might we'd, so we have all sorts of activity things where they can start to build new friendships new groups of of people that they'll, they'll be able to relate to on a one-to-one level and sort of help to move them on into into freedom and a new life so we have this kind of journey from crisis to new life that that i think is really really strong and really unique the problem is it all needs funding and that's that's one of my biggest challenges absolutely but of course i mean although it is scary i mean keeping any organization is scary you know but but actually i suppose that the comfort that you have is that you're you're raising that money for a just cause and actually for a very real need and i suppose that that if anybody is concerned about the about all of us it's god himself you know Mm. so i guess that it's just where it comes from. So if there happens to be any multimillionaires listening to the programme today, well, if you just write the cheque out. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fantastic. <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah. It seldom works out that oh, way. What a shame. I mean, it, I mean, my... See, the, the concern is there is such a demand and we can't afford more support workers to clear the, the waiting list. And just... And of course, there'll uh, be many more behind that waiting list, yeah, won't there? Yeah, and we, we were looking at... I mean, we, we heard on the news about the cost of living crisis um, and uh, and the pressures that, that that's putting on households. And what that, that is is a, is a pressure cooker for domestic violence and abuse. And um, a, a couple of weeks ago, we were having every day at least one new referral of a domestic abuse and violence case every day that we were assessing and triaging. And and that was, to me, a real eye-opener. And I think it's a reflection of the times that we're in. We're, I mean, 70% of the, the women we deal with are, um, have mental health or depression issues anyway. 10% have PTSD, diagnosed PTSD from domestic abuse and violence. You know, this this is a really serious thing. And, and, and there aren't necessarily the services in the, the you know that local government do not pay for services that will support these women as fully as they need supporting this is hope fm well my very special guest today is andy gilbert the chief executive of the water lily project based over in christchurch on barrack road you'll find the their little uh, coffee bar drop-in center now we've talked a lot obviously about the, about the, the the many many multiple needs that women come for uh, andy is it do people have to have faith? Do they have to be Christian? Is it open to anybody? No, absolutely not. We're open to to absolutely anybody. Um, the the we are a Christian organisation, but we're not there to play church and be evangelist. We're there to support women in their times of crisis. And okay, our support workers may be Christians, but they won't mention their faith. They're there to support those who. Uh, in a, a diff- difficult place, if they're asked, they'll obviously talk about why they why they do what they do. But overall, they're there to support our women at their time of crisis and through need, 
and to to sort of bring them through that life journey so that they can come out to freedom. And okay, through that journey, they may find Jesus because they're they're coming into a place where they are they're coming into a Christian place where we they might see posters for Alpha courses from Christchurch Baptist Church, God First Church, any other church that that's putting things within within our cafe they might see a why jesus booklet they with um, but our primary our primary aim is to support any woman in that time of crisis so that we can be the hands of god bringing that justice to that situation that help that they need and bring them through as I, as i said that journey back back into life and freedom and if somebody listening to us uh, right now, listening to us through the programme, and they themselves maybe are, are, are going through some bad, bad stuff, challenging stuff, or they know somebody else who is, what should they do? First thing, they can give us a call. You know, we're not, we, we do get referrals from GPs, we get referrals from social prescribers, we get referrals from churches, we get referrals from all over the place. Um, but actually, we also get self-referrals. So you can either go through our website, which is waterlilyproject.org.uk. Um, that's waterlily, the lily with only one L, not double L. Um, waterlilyproject.org.uk. Or they can phone us and, and sort of leave it. If, if the phone's not answered, they can leave a message. One of our support workers will call them back. Um, like I said, we will assess... On, so they could be placed on a waiting list and we will actually assess based on risk and need um, for, the, for the simple reason we have limited resources and, and we're not like we haven't got a, a whole group of support workers sat in a line waiting for someone to call we've, we've got two support workers who are uh, one of them's part time and uh, we need to sort of we obviously they're working at, at capacity, and we will triage the urgent cases. Um, but yeah, so if 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 anyone calls us and contacts us, please bear in mind there currently is a is a waiting list, which fortunately we've reduced slightly at the moment. But please bear bear in mind that we'll we'll look at look at your case. And, but we will get to you, and we will support you. Now, obviously, one one way of reducing that waiting list is to have a bit more money to get a few more workers. <laughs> uh, so, if you if Waterlily and what you've heard today is something that you feel you'd, you'd like to support, like to stand with them in, in in particularly in giving, and certainly in praying, what should they do? Um, the easiest way to give is probably just through the website. There's um, a, a a giving page on there and that that's probably the easiest way to do it um what we would love uh, on our 10th year they ran a a 10 10 um challenge challenge which was to try and get businesses to give 10 pound for 10 months because 10 pounds was roughly what it would cost for an hour's support for each each woman that we get and obviously we want to do them a month so effectively you'd be sponsoring a woman for 10 months the real cost though for having having come in a couple of months in the real cost per beneficiary is probably closer to 15 pounds a month um and but 
any any regular giving that can fund support workers is just i mean it's not a huge amount of of money per month for to bring make a real change and we see and i i see almost daily women coming into the the office going in to the sort of support workers office room often in floods of tears when they arrive and leaving with a smile on their face now that doesn't mean that their problems have disappeared i i mean even i'm not that naive uh, in fact if i was i don't think i'd be fit for this for this role but what that means is the initial problems that they thought they couldn't cope with and they couldn't overcome the support worker has been able to address those and okay they're going to go back to home and the this there'll be more such more going on but but they know that megan or tracy or bev or, or someone will be there if they were if they they really need it and and they they can call up Okay, and and occasionally, they, if they're in a real crisis situation, we'll get a phone call and and we'll we'll deal with them to just help help at, at a particular time of immense stress. Uh, especially, I mean, some of some of the cases go through courts, um, and we will su- often su- support um, the woman through the court case, um, and and so some of some of the the cases. We just is a, is about helping women rebuild their lives with I don't know if if they've had um, injuries that have caused brain damage, which we've we've had a num a number of cases where um, previous beneficiaries have come through. We've supported them and helped them. Some of them through education, sort of helping them back in. I mean, we we also signpost to other organisations as well, where where we haven't got that expertise to support because because we're obviously well placed in within all of the various different charities that support all of the different needs that a woman could potentially need so if there if there are legal implications we did have for a while and i don't know whether there's still fun, funding there from a grant that we were able to help working in partnership with uh, local solicitors we were able to refer them on for some sessions of of legal advice um with a, a particular law firm um so that there are there are sort of we look at everything we'll support as much as we can and if there if we have funding that we can support in a particular area and a, a, a woman's case needs that then we will we will use our funding in those those areas Of course, that's uh, Irish band Rent Collective and Counting Every Blessing. And in fact, uh, uh, Andy was just telling me that at Matt's funeral that they had a collage on the screen, you know, really a, a summary of the pictures from Matt's life and that song was playing. I just wanted to uh, do a little announcement for you on behalf of Churches Together in Boscombe because we're in the Harvest Festival season and uh, this uh, Saturday, that's the, the 8th of October, if you listen to this on Sunday, I'm, you know, 
I, I'm sorry you've missed it. Uh, but on Saturday uh, at 3pm, they're having a Harvest Thanksgiving service on, at Boscombe Chine Gardens uh, Spa Shelter. And you'll find that opposite Boscombe Pier. So it's a real uh, sing-song by the sea celebration together uh, for uh, for the harvest. So that, that's uh, uh, this Saturday, 3pm. You're advised to get there about, about quarter to three and, uh, and go and join in with all the other folks down there. Now, we've been talking about the, the ministry and work of uh, the Water Lily Project. And of course, this is about dealing with very real challenges of women who have gone through some very real challenge abuse of all sorts of different kinds. But the good thing is that the work of Water Lily makes it possible for these women to have hope. Uh, Andy, tell us some of the impact that, that you know about. I mean, obviously, I, I can't talk about any specific cases because yes. <laughs> that would be breaching confidentiality. But I can I can give some sort of ideas of the things that we we've dealt with. With I mean, obviously, domestic abuse and violence situations are a big part of of what we do, and we have seen. We have had women come back in saying, "You have saved my life." You know that's what, and and that they mean literally save their life, not not at the throwaway. You've saved my life. That they could they I've been were, a lifeline to them. They were in a position where they could have been killed by their partner, um, and we've picked them up at those points. We've put them through a safeguarding process. We've we've dealt with. Um, the the situation where partners were um, the the perpetrators were very real high risks to the particular uh, woman that we're dealing with, and we've managed to move her away into get her into a place of safety. Um, the thing that shocked me as new coming into this area is very often a woman will go back to a perpetrator up to seven times before they'll they'll leave them. Finally, and that says a lot, doesn't it? Because I guess, in some ways, even though it's an abusive situation, it's also a form of security. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of it's it's security and and kind of it kind of shows the power of love over pain in a lot of ways. I think, even if the love is in the wrong place, because obviously that's not what love is. You know, we we're, we're talking about we've we've talked a lot about God and Jesus and, and the Holy Spirit. That's true love is is reflected in in God and and marriage is meant to be sort of like a reflection of that and and even even Jesus, you know, talked about the church being the bride of Christ, you know, because Marriage is this thing about love and loving of God and and all those sorts of things, and and I think deep down we all we all feel that we know that love is that, um, but when someone else has a very different view of of that and it involves violence and you know it's it's breaking that you know your core you, you know what your your core. Uh, Beliefs. So, so I, yeah. Anyway, we've we've seen we we see we see women coming in and we see women going out smiling. We see some that we've literally saved their lives, but we've also seen others where they're they're sort of getting their life back together. They're getting back into work. They're getting it. So it, it's very easy to concentrate on the worst cases, but there are also some that 
in there for them it was their worst part of their life but it's getting back out into work and so getting back into doing there's healing and there's hope healing and hope this is hope fm